Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If you find yourself in a prison today, maybe you're in some prison, you're in a situation that you're locked up in, you can't get out of it. As a Christian, know, first of all, that you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You're not a prisoner of the circumstances. God hasn't forgotten you. It's not that these things are greater than God or his plan for your life. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 1, in a message titled, The Prisoner of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. God allows these things for greater revelation to come. And as we look at the bigger picture of the biblical picture, and even as we go beyond the scriptures into our our lives today, uh, we find this pattern that it's during times of distress and difficulty and affliction and uncertainty. It's during these times that we get a deeper understanding of who God is. We have many times a deeper experience with him. I think of Joseph. What a great example. Joseph was in prison as well. Joseph was unjustly cast into a pit and then sold into slavery and and he went as a slave as into the home of a, of a slave owner, and he served there. But then he was falsely accused, and as a result of that false accusation, he was thrown into prison. And there he was, and he spent many years in that prison. And no doubt, there, his, his uh, hope began to wane. There was one uh, point where one of the, one of the Pharaoh's close servants was put into prison as well. And uh, Joseph was able to interpret the dream he had, which led in the end, the, the man was released from prison and restored back to his uh, position of serving Pharaoh. But Joseph said to him, when you're released, plead my case before Pharaoh. Tell him that there's an innocent man and, and get me out of this prison. And I'm sure the man said, you bet. Oh, you blessed me so much. You told me my future and uh, my future is good. Yes, just hold on. I'll, I'll let him know as soon as I get out. Well, he got out and he just completely forgot about it. And two years passed before anything happened. Uh, can you imagine? So Joseph would have been discouraged like anybody else would have been. But here's the thing. As you go later on into the future, as you see Joseph's ultimate deliverance and all those things, Joseph has two sons, and one of them he names Ephraim. The name Ephraim means fruitful. And Joseph said this regarding his name. He said, he is Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see, he could look back on it and say, wow, God did something in me. God revealed himself in a greater way. It says in Psalm 105 that they put his feet in the the stocks and that iron entered his soul. 
And as he was there in that prison, the idea is that his soul was being forged. God was forging in him this, this deep thing. So we have that example with Joseph. We see the same thing with Job. Job is the proverbial sufferer. He's the one that we, we make reference to when we want to talk about intense human suffering. We, t- we use Job as the illustration. And he did suffer indeed. And yet, when it's all said and done, as he comes to the conclusion of the whole thing, what does he say? He said, you know, before I entered into this experience, I knew about God theoretically. That's what he's saying. He said, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. So he knew about God theoretically, but after it's all over, he says, but now I know you experientially. And you see, that's what happens. We could say the same thing about Moses. We forget, we read the story about Moses there in the wilderness and the the burning bush, but we forget that Moses was in the wilderness because he was in exile. He was the prince of Egypt, but he was in exile in the wilderness. But it was there in his exiled state that God met him and revealed himself to him. Or you think a little bit further into the history and you think of Isaiah who said, when in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uzziah was a great king. And when he died, it was tragic. And all of the security that Uzziah had brought to the kingdom would just suddenly vanished. It was a dark time. But Isaiah said, it was in the year that Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. So you see, we we see here in these that God uses these times, these imprisonments, whatever they might be, he uses them to deepen our experience with him. Are you suffering today? Are you in some prison today? Remember, God is sovereign. Remember that. Know today that God could release you from the prison. Just So simply, he could do it faster than that. But if he hasn't done it, then this is where you fall back and you say, okay, Lord, you're doing something here. I might not be able to see it. I might not get it, but I believe it. I believe that you're doing something here and I'm going to look for a deeper work of your spirit to take place as a result of this. So Paul understood that. But you know, he also understood that he didn't go through things for his own benefit only. He went through things also for the benefit of others. And so he says here, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. He saw that his imprisonment meant blessing to the Gentiles. And that was indeed the case. He said to the Philippians, who were greatly distressed over his imprisonment. The Philippian church was very closely connected with Paul. He had started the church. He had led many of them to personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so they had a a commitment to Paul. They, They would support him as he would go out in his ministry. And word came back to them that he was now in prison, and they were deeply distressed over this. 
They were greatly concerned for Paul, but he wrote to them and he said this. He said, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You see, this is another thing we have to factor in. The things that happen to us turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel quite often is advanced through the things that we go through. We are enabled to minister to people that we couldn't previously minister to or we couldn't minister to had we not been there to some degree ourselves. And so Paul went on to say there, he said, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul says, look, I know it looks bad. I know you think this is horrible, but listen, God is using this to advance the gospel. My chains have emboldened others. They have thought, man, if Paul can be in prison for Christ, what am I doing? Why am I just sitting around doing nothing? They began to boldly speak up and the gospel was then being spread. My prisons have given me opportunities to minister to people that I wouldn't otherwise have. I know that. I've been through my own fair share of prisons over the years. The prison of physical affliction, suffering with a physical illness for many years and, and looking back on that and at times it being so dark and didn't make any sense. And you wonder how, you know, Lord, how could this even be beneficial? But now with hindsight, now I can look back and, and see how, man, that was all preparing me. And the people that I've, I've been privileged to be able to, to minister to and, and realizing that I couldn't, have, I couldn't have done that to that extent had I not lived through that experience myself. You see, we, we have to go through these things for our own greater revelation of who God is, but we have to go through these things for the benefit of others as well. And God will allow us these times because he wants to do a work, not just in us, but he wants to do a work through us. You know, I think of young pastors and I think of myself as a young pastor who uh, I remember, you know, I knew a lot of things theoretically. I'd read books and gotten information and I could tell stories, but I found that they just seemed to be a bit shallow at times because they were other people's stories. And I remember right here from this platform speaking when I was in my early 20s and talking about, you know, the great faith stories of Pastor Chuck. But I remember at the time thinking, man, this is lame. I'm up here telling somebody else's faith story. And I, I, I vividly remember thinking to myself, I need my own faith stories. Lord, I, I need some faith. I didn't know what in the world I was praying for. What was I thinking? God said, you do. You do need some faith. I need to build up your faith here. Let me throw you in this pit for a while. And he did. He threw me into a pit of affliction. And I'm not kidding. And I'm not exaggerating. It was a horrific time. It was a horrific time. And some of you that know me and have known me for a long time, you remember what that was like. 
But you know, I look back now and I think I could not, I could not do what I do now. I couldn't minister to people in ways that I've been able to. I couldn't do it without those experiences. They were necessary to forge something in me. And, and that's the way it is. And like I said, you know, sometimes I listen to young preachers who know everything. They know it all by theory. The problem is they haven't lived any of it. They haven't had any experience, but God is faithful and he knows, he knows when you need to go to prison for a while. He knows when you need a season of incarceration and darkness to, to cultivate and to develop your, your life spiritually. God knows. And he's sovereign. You know, with our granddaughter, she was born and seemingly perfect, and it wasn't but a few hours later before they realized that there was something wrong, and then they discovered this, this heart defect. And, you know, there have been occasions that, that we have heard of a couple people there not knowing the full extent of what it was until there were, were some more tests done. But there, you know, sometimes it takes a few hours or it can even take a day or two before everything starts functioning properly with the baby. So we thought, well, maybe it'll all just kick in. But then when it became known to us that it was this, this thing called TGA and that surgery is, is always necessary, we thought, well, of course, God can do miraculous things. And I remember we were praying for a few days, Lord, you know, it would just be so great if, if you could just heal it miraculously. So the point is, the thought was, you know, for her to have to go through the surgery, a seven-hour surgery for a newborn. And then, you know, as a parent, you know, uh, as a grandparent thinking about her, but as a parent thinking about my kids going through, you know, as mom and dad going through this thing, and you're just like, oh, Lord, please. But then at, the, at a certain point, you just resign yourself, Lord, if this needs to happen, it needs to happen this way. But then you see God's sovereignty. And you know, in this particular situation, my son and my daughter-in-law, they had, they had an insurance policy. And the week before the baby was born, their insurance switched. They, their one insurance was canceled and they went to another one. And it, it really upset them because they had their two previous children in the same hospital. They were planning to go back there. It was something they, they were familiar with. It was something they were comfortable with. But all of a sudden, the, uh, the insurance switches so they can't have the baby at that hospital. They got to go to this new place. And everything just seemed to be sort of turned upside down for them. But, you know, talking about God's sovereign hand over things as a result of this new insurance, the baby who needed this surgery was sent to the best possible place on the West Coast to go to, Stanford University Hospital, and ended up, with, without anybody knowing any of this, ended up with one of the, the most world-renowned surgeons in this particular surgery. So, you know, you see, you see God's sovereign hand, but you see him allowing them to go through, you know, that, that seven-hour surgery. It was like, you know, it was like seven months. It just, it just seemed to go on forever. You know, you're just every few minutes, you're like, I wonder how she's doing. Oh, Lord, you know. And my point is, it, it would have been so much nicer had we just been able to avoid that. 
But God knows what we need. And he knows that that develops character in us. He knows that that increases our faith and dependency on him. He, he knows these things. So as I said, my personal prisons have definitely given me opportunities. So I, I understand what Paul is saying. I'm a prisoner, not of Nero. I'm a prisoner of Christ. And I'm not a prisoner for, for nothing. I'm a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles. I'm a prisoner that my experiences here and my, my growth that's going to take place in my understanding of God is going to benefit other people. You see, God does things differently than we would do them. And so if you find yourself in a prison today, maybe you're in some prison, you're in a situation that you're locked up in, you can't get out of it. You've tried and you just can't get out. The situation doesn't change. It just goes on. If you find yourself in a prison today as a Christian, know, first of all, that you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You're not a prisoner of the circumstances. God hasn't forgotten you. It's not that these things are greater than God or his plan for your life. Just like the situation with Paul and Nero. No, it wasn't Nero. It was Christ who allowed him to be in prison. And through this time, God is working a deeper work in your life so that you might experience him in a greater way and that you might also more effectively minister to people that come across your path. Somebody was asking me last week that has known me for many years and knew some of the things that I had gone through for a long time. They asked me, you know, how, how are you doing with that? And wow, that was just so amazing that you went through that. And I was reflecting on it and thinking about it. And I, I, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think I look back on that, and I cannot believe I lived through it. I cannot believe that I, I actually lived through that. I came out the other side, because when I was in it, I didn't think I was going to make it through. I never even knew that you could experience the, the depths of that kind of darkness or depression. But as I was talking to him and we were kind of reflecting back on that, um, you know, it just made me think that as, as horrible as that was, and, and certainly I never would have chosen it had, I, had God asked me my permission to <laughs> allow me to go through that affliction, I would have passed on that. Um, but, but I look back now and I see, you know, on the other side of it, I could see how necessary it was. And I could say, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it because of what I know it's done in my own heart and in my own life. So listen, if you're a believer today and you're in prison, Christ is the warden and he's a good warden. And he knows what we can handle and he knows what we can't handle. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to endure. He's given us those promises. And if he knows that we need a little longer or we need it to be a little more intense, he's going to allow for that to happen. But there's a purpose in all of this. There's a big eternal picture that is being painted 
There's a whole eternal purpose that's being worked out here. And one day it'll all be clear and one day we'll see it. But now is our opportunity to embrace it by faith. One day it'll be clear. One day we won't even need any faith. We'll just go, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, why didn't I realize that? But you know what I always would think in the midst of those Seasons, I would think, Lord, I want to have the victory now. I don't want to have the victory when the victory is obvious. I don't want you to finally do what you said you're going to do and then go, okay, now I get it. Now I believe. Lord, help me to, to just by faith lay hold of it now. That's, that's where there's a real blessing. So know that God, he's the one. He's allowed it, but it's only to deepen your understanding of him. It's only to further prepare you for eternity, and it's also to equip you to more effectively help those others that are hurting, those others that you're going to cross paths with as you walk throughout your life. If you're not a Christian today, if you're not a person who's received Christ and is following Christ, you're in a different sort of prison. You're in a prison of sin. And that, that prison of sin is, there, there's torment, there's, there's uh, torture, there's, there's all kinds of mental grief and anxiety and all, all those things. But listen, Christ has the key to unlock the prison door and to set you free, and he wants to do that for you. Now, I don't want anyone to leave today going, oh, no, I'm going to be thrown in prison. God, why are you going to do this to me? You know, we don't know. None of us know. But listen, as we go through life, of course, as much as we wish we never had to suffer. You know, I wish those positive messages things, I, I wish that was all true. That'd be great. What? You mean I can live a problem-free life? That sounds wonderful. It's just not a reality. But we, we don't want to live either with that anxiety that, oh, no. What's going to happen? You know, sometimes I hear Christians say this, man, things are going so good right now. I'm just, I'm just freaked out, you know, because I know, I know that something bad's coming. I just know it. It can't, it can't be good for this long. You know what? No, don't think that way. God's your father. He doesn't delight in afflicting us. It's not like he looks at us and goes, these guys are having way too much fun here. Let's just smack them around a little bit. No, no. He only afflicts. It says in the Psalms, he does not afflict willingly. He only allows these things when he knows that they're needed. And he knows things that we don't know. So may you be encouraged. And may we like Paul. He's in prison. But listen to his letters. He's not saying, oh, woe is me, poor me. I'm in such a bad state. He's saying, oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's saying, be anxious for nothing, 
prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where Paul is at. That's where God would have us to be as well. So may he help us. For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.